As a church, we're continuing our project, the New Testament in a year. Our goal is for the whole church to read the whole New Testament in this year, five chapters a week. Last week, we read Matthew 26 through Mark chapter 2, and next week, Mark chapter 3 through chapter 7. So if you aren't doing it already, jump in with us next week. Read the Bible together. It's going to be great. Our sermon series, though, this week takes a little bit of a different turn. Uh, We're starting a brand new series, and the title of the series pretty much says it all, Love Like Jesus. We are Christians. That means we're followers of Christ. We're little Christ. We're disciples of Christ, and we want to be like Jesus in every way, but especially in how he loved He loved his neighbor and his enemy. He loved strangers. He loved his family. And we want to love like that. Love just as well and as broadly as Jesus did. And in this series, we'll be looking at the life of Christ and at our own lives and how we can love more like Jesus. And I'm so excited that my friend J.D. Larson is here today to get the series started. Uh, I met J.D., I don't know, maybe 10 years ago. Uh, He was an intern with me and then a resident in ministry as he was just getting started as a pastor. For the last several years, J.D. and his wife, Christian Ann, have been planting churches in the Minneapolis area, and they're getting ready to do it again, to go plant a brand new church. And they're just I just love people who are bold enough to go plant a new church. Uh, They have a unique vision and a unique strategy that is centered around loving people like Jesus did. And I'm just so excited uh, to have them here. They're innovative missionaries. They're committed church leaders. And I know that JD is going to get us started in such a powerful way as together we spend the next few weeks learning how to love like Jesus. Well, good morning, you all. How are you? Good morning. As Ethan said, my name is J.D. Larson. I'm so grateful to be with you all this morning. Uh, I'm grateful to uh, be able to be in partnership with First Christian. Uh, Ethan and I met a long time ago. I was a Milligan student, and uh, I kind of jumped on board a program and was a guinea pig for his first semester in ministry program with the church he was serving at. And uh, he taught me how to write an email, taught me how to... uh, you know, dress properly as an intern at a church. So I owe a lot in my ministry, not just email in my dress to Ethan, but a lot in my ministry. I'm indebted to him. You know, Ethan, he just pours into young leaders, and I was one of those first young leaders, and I'm so grateful to be with you this morning. I'm also grateful to be back in East Tennessee. I'm a I'm a kid from the north, but I've got some East Tennessee blood in me. Uh, My grandparents, Dan and Jody McCall, were in ministry for a long time uh, in this area. My mother was born in this area, so we would come down all the time. So I'm just grateful to be back here. Also grateful we got, we, we got in uh, before Thursday for that beautiful weather. So we were walking around downtown Johnson City with the biggest smiles on our face, and we had Minnesotan written all over us. It was negative 60 last week there, and they just got a huge dump of snow. This was my house before I left. <laughs> just joking. That's not my house. We do call it Minnesota, but that was not it. They, they got a bunch of snow. I've been texting neighbors to shovel for me. But I'm super grateful as well because, uh, as Ethan mentioned, my wife and I, uh, Christian Ann, are planting a church in Minneapolis in 2019. And our mission statement for this new church is love our neighbors in the way of Jesus. So I'm excited to share with you some of our heart as a new church plant and what it means for us to love like Jesus this morning. 
To start out, I have this question for you. Uh, when is the last time you asked yourself, what is the point? When's the last time you asked yourself or used that phrase, what is the point? For me, it was when I was watching the Super Bowl and the Patriots were in it again. I said, what is the point of watching these Super Bowls if these Patriots are in it? You may be asking, J.D., why don't you often in the wintertime ask, what's the point of living in Minnesota? And that happens pretty frequently, actually. We ask this question all the time. What is the point? Because we as human beings are meaning-seeking and meaning-making beings. We want to know what the point is. We want to know what the meaning behind something is. So uh, those were some funny examples of what the point, what's the point questions. But uh, a couple of years ago, I found myself in a place where I was asking a similar question, but not about such trivial things. I was in a season in my ministry uh, where I was tired. I was maybe getting close to what some would describe as burnout. I was uh, getting up Sunday mornings and getting up slowly. I was uh, getting tired of going through the motions of putting on church. I found uh, resonance in the words of Ruth Haley Barton as she describes a season like that in her own life when she says, I was tired of creating experiences for others to experience God. I just desperately wanted to experience him myself. I found myself in the season, I guess I was just had my nose to the grindstone and I was going through the motions of ministry and I found myself coming back to the most fundamental questions of my faith. What is the point of what we're doing here in church and in following Jesus? What does it look like for me to follow Jesus even in the midst of these long years of doing so? I think at the center of those questions were, do the habits and the rhythms of my life look like Jesus? Do the habits and the rhythms of my life look like the way that Jesus loved? I was desperate for God for an answer to some of these questions that I was carrying internally. And, and, and through a series of weeks, one particular night, I remember just laying in my bed, tossing and turning, Christian Ann sort of punching me and saying, go to sleep. And I heard uh, God say, I would like for you to plant a church. I'm like, what? If you've been following God for, for any amount of time, you know he's got a cosmic sense of comedic timing, right? I'm like, this is not the time for you to give me a call to plant a church. I have some serious questions that I'm wrestling with. It's funny how God calls us into something that we don't feel equipped for so that we have to exercise faith, not our own skills. And so Christian Ann and I, who discerned this call, moved into this direction, but we still had these questions we still were wondering, what is at the essential core of what it means to follow Jesus? What does it look like for us to follow Jesus and love like Jesus? We had what I would describe this holy desperation to hear from God on this. So we moved forward in faithfulness, were affirmed as church planners, and started moving in that direction with our church and gathering a launch team. And in the midst of this seeking after God together with a group of people who are now called North City Church, we felt like God gave us this story, the story that I want to share with you in scripture this morning. The story's in Luke chapter 24. We're just going to read a small section of it. Before I get there, I would like uh, to give you just a little backdrop of what's going on. I think in this story, I see a couple disciples asking similar questions. 
They're asking questions like, what is the point of this? And why they're asking this question is, this is a text that happens after the, the Jesus dies on the cross and before he's been revealing himself as a resurrected uh, be, uh, as resurrected to his disciples. So this is a post-resurrection story, but there's a lot of confusion going on. These are two disciples walking back to their hometown after following this Jesus for three plus years, and they're asking questions like, was that all worth it? What's going on here? What, are, what do we do now? What is the point? And if you'll remember the story, we're going to jump in about halfway through it, but this is the road to Emmaus. This is this beautiful story about these two disciples in their confusion walking home and Jesus coming alongside them on the road. They don't recognize him right away. It's this miraculous, mysterious story where they don't recognize Jesus and Jesus begins to ask them questions like, why are you so downcast? What's going on? And they're like, don't you know, man? Haven't you heard the news about this Jesus who died? And then they say, we've, we've heard some rumors um, from our people that we are following Jesus with that he's potentially alive, but we're not sure if we can believe it yet. And Jesus, in his blunt fashion, says, oh, you fools. <laughs> and he begins to walk with them on the road and explain through the scriptures what it meant for him to die and to be resurrected. And still, they don't recognize him. And the point of the story that really stuck out to Christian Ann and I and our team was this point of the story I want to jump in. So if you'll turn to Luke 24, verses 28 through 35, that's our text this morning, and I'll read it. As they, the three of them, approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he was going to go further. But they urged him strongly. And at this point, remember, they still don't recognize him. They say, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, he gave thanks, and he broke it. And he began to give it to them. Their eyes were opened, and they recognized him in that moment at the table. And he disappeared from their sight. In that moment, they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while, we talked with, while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and they returned at once to Jerusalem. There uh, they found the 11 and those with them assembled together and saying, it is true, the Lord has risen and he appeared to Simon. Then the two t- told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them in the breaking of bread. For us, we felt this strong uh, God speaking through this text. We were just so struck that Jesus was recognized around the table when he was breaking bread. It, it began to stir up these questions in us. Why, why would Jesus reveal himself to his two disciples around the table? What's the meaning of the table in Jesus' life? And, and more particular, why is Luke, the author, putting this text in this post-resurrection uh, phase of Luke-Acts, which are kind of this continuation? And we began to dig and discover and realize that post-resurrection texts are these texts that point backwards to shed light on Jesus' life and his ministry and kind of ask or answer the question about what's the point. What was the point of Jesus' ministry and look forward to the early church and give them a light forward on how to love like Jesus. 
It's kind of like at the end of a good novel, you're reading a a secret about a character is revealed and you look back at the whole text differently and you look forward at the text and realize that it's different. In our study, we realized that in Luke-Acts, 20% of Luke-Acts happens in the context of a table. 20%. 20% of what it looks like for Jesus to love happens around a table. And it happens early and often. I know you guys are reading through some of the Gospels and you're not to Luke yet, so let me spoil it a little bit for you. When you have eyes to see, look at how often Jesus loves around the table. Right away, in chapter five, the first, one of the first meals that Jesus has is with sinners and tax collectors, it says. Right off the get-go, Jesus' table practices are disruptive. He shakes up what it means to offer acceptance and belonging across the table in his time. He says, these are the people I have come to save, to be with, to be in relationship with. And when he's in relationship with religious elite or with a religious popular people, and this his time, it's the Pharisees or the Sadducees, he's all often sitting around their table calling things out. He's saying, why do you take the best seat at the table? Why don't you, when you throw a luncheon, invite the poor, the hurting, the widow, Jesus is shaking up the social structures of his time around a table. If you want to know what it looks like for Jesus to love, look at how he eats. It goes on from there. He feeds the 5,000, and of course, what we celebrate every week, the Last Supper, is this culmination, really, not an isolated event. It's this culmination of Jesus' table practice where he's sitting around his closest followers, some of which, or one of which, is going to betray him. And we know his disciples. We know they're not perfect. We know they're broken people. And he takes on the form of a servant, and he serves them a meal, and he says, this is my body, broken for you. This is my blood shed for you. And of course, they didn't completely understand what that meant. But in that moment, he's not in a temple. He's not in a church. He's around a table. And he's saying, this is the point. And then we get to the road to Emmaus. And they recognize him because he's doing this around a table. If you look at the early church, they're always around tables. What it looks like for them to love like Jesus is to love their neighbors around a table. Isn't this just the genius of our God? When I look at this, I said, this is amazing that our God, who is relationship three in one, wants to be present at the table. The brilliance of that table is that it doesn't just stop here. It extends. Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. And the early church took that to heart. And whenever they were together, they remembered Jesus' story. They remembered his broken body. They remembered his blood and said, this is what should shape all of our tables. The tables are the place we build relationship. They're the place we offer acceptance. They're the place we create belonging. They're the place we share our culture, where we share difference. They're the place we break up with people. They're the place we start relationships. It's the place where the real stuff of life happens. It's the place where we make meaning. And God says, Jesus says, remember me. Remember my sacrifice. Have the same posture of me in those spaces. Loving like Jesus means eating like Jesus. You might be asking, 
We're thinking, well, that's beautiful, JD, but what, what, what does that mean? What does that look like in your life and in, in my life? I want to tell you this morning about my friend Daniel. Daniel, a couple of years ago, moved to a new neighborhood. He's getting his family situated, and he uh, had a, a history of faith, and he said, I ought to look for a church. It's been a while since I've had a meaningful connection with a church. And he started the church shopping hunt, the church looking hunt, and he went to several churches and did not feel a connection. And he was exhausted. He was at that place in his life where he was asking, what's the point? Not just with participating in church, but participating in a relationship with Jesus. He was so tired. He gave it one last chance and he went on Google. <laughs> and he Googled church. And he started to search out from his home address. And he came across Mill City Church, the church that Christian and my wife and I have served at before this church plant. And he entered the modern day lobby of the church, the website, and he started to read it through page to page and he said, ah, there's something here. There was a spark in him. But he was tired. He said he kind of put it aside and said, ah, maybe we'll try that church someday. Later that week, he had a conference, super busy schedule. And if, if you've ever been in a season where you've been juggling kids and busy schedules, you know sometimes there's scheduling mishaps. And he had one of these days with his wife. The kids had soccer practice. He had a long conference day. His wife texts him and he said, I have dropped the kids off with some people. They're at their house um, and they're taking care of them. And Daniel's like, people? <laughs> what people? I don't know them. Do you know them? She's like, I know them from soccer. They're great people. So Daniel sort of anxiously after his conference went over to these people's homes he hadn't met, didn't know, but assumed were okay because his wife trusted them enough to leave their kids with them. Walked in the door and noticed right away that his kids were being loved, that it was a safe place. They had a smile on their face. And it was Tom and Krista's house. And he met Krista at the door, and Krista said, oh, we love your kids. They, they play with our grandson in soccer. Um, and she's like, stay. Stay for dinner. I'm sure you, you've had a busy day. Just stay. We're cooking. Some friends are coming over. You can stay. And there's this thing in Minnesota called Minnesota Nice. Have you ever heard of this? It's, we're nice, but we're not thinking nice things in our head. So we put off a front of being nice, and he's like, oh, no, 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 I couldn't stay, I couldn't stay. And all the while in his head, I'm like, Shh, she looks like an amazing cook. I'm sure she would cook an amazing meal. I don't want to cook these kids a meal. I should really stay. But in the outward, he was saying, no, 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 I, I wouldn't trouble you. So he, he followed through with his Minnesota nice and got the kids in the car, and his youngest was potty training. And uh, he got that word from her, like, I got to go. And you know, if you've ever been parenting, I'm parenting one right now in potty training, you drop everything and you go. So they went back to the door and Daniel sort of with his head hung says, can she use the bathroom? And Krista very lovingly looks at him in the face and says, I think this is God's way of telling you, you need to stay for dinner. <laughs> so they eventually stayed and friends came over and they had this meal and something happened in Daniel's heart around that table. As he told me this story later, he said, I experienced what I desired from church around that table. Friends came over, strangers came over, spiritual conversation happened. They got in a conversation about church, the people who had come, who were sitting next to him, who he's, who's company he was enjoying, uh, talked about this church they were going to and how they were enjoying it so much. And he said, what church is that? 
They said, Mill City, we've been going for a while. We, we love it. And they're like, what church do you go to? And he's like, I guess Mill City. <laughs> Hadn't been there yet, but experienced this hospitality, this love of strangers so immensely that it triggered something in him. He experienced Christ's presence in the hospitality of those of Tom and Krista and around the table. Jesus was present there at that table. Daniel's been coming to Mill City ever since. I wonder how many Daniels there are in your neighborhood. I wonder when you think of the question, who is your neighbor, how many of them are like Daniel? North City Church exists to love our neighbors in the way of Jesus. And as I said, loving, uh, loving like Jesus means eating like Jesus. So I brought this video along as our vision video. It's a way for you to hear from my wife and I about the vision of this church and see it a little bit. I want to show it to you to show you what it means for us to love like Jesus. God's been doing something in us for a long time, and we're excited to invite you along on that journey as well. There's been something stirring in our hearts that we couldn't quite name or didn't really have specifics around, but this winter we were able to articulate that we feel like God wants to start a new church in Minneapolis and, and wants us to help lead it. So as Mill City Church, our mission has been to love our community in the name of Jesus. And so for this next church, we've been wondering about the how. How do we actually do that? If you look at Jesus' life, He's always gathering people around the table to share the most important things. And, and people, uh, when they are curious about what God is doing in the world, uh, come to a table and there's a certain sort of revelation that happens there. Uh, and so what we're excited for is we think that there's people in this community that God uh, is starting this church in who have seen some things that God has done in the community and maybe are just waiting for an opportunity to be around the table with someone who can name who Jesus is to them and connect those things in their life to the story of God and reveal in a real tangible way who Jesus is. That's what we hope for. Around tables when we're eating together, when two or more are gathered in Jesus' name, he says, that's where I am too. And so um, we want to invite you in and we want to ask, is this something that God's been doing in your heart? Do you want to sit around the table of your neighbors? And have you desperately been desiring that type of community that's transformed around a meal? Um, we want to do that around communion. We want to do that in worship. Uh, and we trust that there's people who have gifts and talents and abilities that we don't have <laughs> that God is drawing together because it's not just two leaders who have been crazy enough to say yes. It's a group of people. When God starts a church, it's pretty, it's, it's pretty clear that he's calling a people to care about a particular place. Yeah. There's worship, there's sermons, but really the heart of it is how people build relationships with those around them. And for us, that vision of what, how Jesus built relationships around the table was amazing because it kind of opened our eyes to what could be possible with this new church. This new church is about creating opportunities for people to meet Jesus. And we think that that will happen around the table. We think that we'll get the opportunity to do that. But the reason why we're sharing this with you is we feel like that God might be preparing you to have those, those conversations, those opportunities to share who He is, what He's doing in the world uh, around the table. Mm -hmm. That was Tom and Krista's table you saw. And that was Daniel around that table with others and Tom and Krista. Those were his kids running around. Daniel is on our leadership team and our launch team now. Tom and Krista are on our launch team. 
we're so compelled with what Jesus can do around the table that we want to plant a church around the idea that Jesus' mission can happen around the table. I love at First Christian the for everyone theme that you have going on. Certainly First Christian is for everyone, but the challenge that is on my heart this morning is, is your home, is your table for everyone? Is it an extension of this meal? Jesus' mission happens around a table, and we celebrate that in communion, but it extends. We want to share Jesus' sacrifice around the tables we find ourselves in the neighborhood. I brought this along with me as just a visual. In this is 90-ish forks. They represent the 90 meals that you might have in a month. What I've been challenging my people with is just one. What would it be like for you to create one meal? One meal for the Daniels in your life. The simple question I want to leave you with this morning is, who is your neighbor? Who is your neighbor? Who does God have on your heart? And what would it look like for you to create space to eat with them? To listen to the Holy Spirit while you're listening to their life across the table and see what God's sacrifice, what Jesus' sacrifice means for their life and be able to share what it means for you. Christian Ann and I uh, will be here all day. I'll be here after the service. North City Church is launching in 2019. If you'd like to learn more about what we're doing, what it looks like to support us, I'd love to talk to you. Let me pray for you this morning uh, as we continue in our worship. Uh, Let's do that now. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you want to be in the midst of where we build relationship. Jesus, I pray that you empower everyone in this room to have the eyes to see and the ears to hear how you're inviting them into loving like you do around a table. May there be opportunities in their week to welcome someone into their home. May there be opportunities to invite themselves into someone's home following in your footsteps in the way that you loved. It's in your name we pray. Amen.